When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Brian Hyatt. This is Rolling Stone Music Now. Today, I'm going to bring you the latest entries in our series on some of the best music of 2023, even as we continue to journey further into 2024. This time, we'll take a deep dive on a bunch of genres, Afropop, hip-hop, R&B, and more. To do so, I have with me Manka Percante and Andre G, who both made great lists of their favorite music in 2023. To start out, here's my conversation with Andre, who takes us through his picks for the best hip hop of 2023. You sent me your list of your favorite hip hop of 2023, and it's just start to finish really interesting stuff. It just shows how much interesting stuff is going on in hip hop away from maybe what people see as the center. Hip hop is at this point where you can be unfamiliar with the artist and they have 400,000 monthly listeners and they just have their own world going on. And you're like, oh shit, I really like this. How have I not been in tune with this all this time? There's plenty of really good, unique music out there. You just gotta look for it a little bit. It's not gonna be necessarily within the sphere of the mainstream, all types of intriguing sounds and artists doing their own things out there. So hopefully this discussion will, somebody listening will come across a new artist they're not familiar with. And Let's start with the Loopers is the artist, and the album is Microphone Fiend. And this is one that's, there's some stuff that is pretty experimental, and this is one of those pretty out there. really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I obviously really enjoyed it as well. The Loopers has always been one of my favorite rappers because he's just, like you said, experimental and just creatively ambitious. And I feel like that's reflected throughout this project. So on Microphone Fiend, the eponymous song. He's going in over like this smooth soul sample, but then you switch over to a tweaking and geeking, and he's rapping more rapid fire over this more sinister, dark production. And from song to song, he's just doing a lot. And you can just tell that it just sounds like he was like, okay, what's the most unique way I could approach? What's the <laughs> most unique way I could rap on this song? He's an exceptional lyricist to me. And I like an album that, because there'll be artists who are like really good lyricists and that's like just sticks to their format over the same, similar kind of beats. You know what you're getting. And if you like it, you're satisfied with that. But the Loopers, he's very much from song to song, this album sonically, there's so much going on, so many different influences, tones. He stated on Instagram that the album came from a really cathartic process. He said it like, it took a lot out of him to actually create it. And I feel like I hear that process, not necessarily in the content, the lyrical content, but I feel like the process and the creativity was the release, which is like unique to me. Like for art, usually when you think about a cathartic album, it's just reflected in the lyrics, reflected in a very personal introspective song. But this is reflected for me and like the effort and the passion that he put into just trying the different things that he did from song to song. 
He's on Danny Brown's label and is influenced by him, right? Yeah, he's in Bruiser Gang. And anybody who's familiar with Danny Brown knows that, like, Bruiser Gang from Danny, says it Luke, everybody else, some of the most distinctive rappers out just in terms of their mic presence, their creative approaches. Like, it's left of center would be one way to phrase it for mm-hmm. sure. Fatboy Sharif and Steel Tip Dove is a really interesting producer who draws on electronic genres. Sometimes the beats sound almost like something like Burial has that atmospheric thing that there's a song on it, Designer Drugs, that I was like, oh, this literally could be like Burial made this beat. And Fatboy Sharif's a pretty interesting rapper. Tell me about him and this album. Fatboy Sharif is a rapper from Jersey. He's been rapping for about a, over a decade at this point. I have to be very like discerning what the adjectives I use because it's like a, it's just an experience, like a one of a kind experience. I feel like he's a very surrealist rapper. I would say just listening to him, it feels like the way he raps is very free associative and it's very imagery laden. It has a dark surrealist tone and melding that lyrical approach with Still Tip Dove's production. It's a very compelling experience. Two songs in particular I want to talk about. There's Brandon Lee, where Sharif is rapping over this, like, haunting vocal sample. I am free. I sold the crows and satellite. I sold the crows and satellite. And it's this really surrealist vibe that kind of fits his poetics. And then there's also, like, Phantasm, which I believe was a single from the project, where... He's rapping over like this like noxious kind of guitar riff, which is it might be the closest production to something courting mass appeal, even though nothing on this album does that. Undetachable poison, supreme knowledge, Those songs are two of my favorites on the project for sure. And Nappy Nina from Oakland, Morning Dew. Yeah, so like you said, Nappy Nina is like rapper from Oakland, currently Brooklyn based a really talented writer. I feel like this project is a bomb for people who are just going through things personally. I feel like a lot of the kind of existential things that she explores on the album, whether it's like self-medicating and trying to balance out and navigate all the the doldrums of life, that kind of content just really resonated with me and I'm sure like a lot of others. I, I, I feel like she explores from song to song, she has like a rapid fire kind of style, but I feel like from song to song, it's like it's explored and expressed in like different cadences. You'll have, especially on Scuffle from the album, that's, I feel like that's a song that's very like exemplary of what makes her a great MC or a great artist. Just like rapid fire flow over lush electronic production for the most part. But she's also like whispery. It's an yeah. Combination. Yeah, exactly. The next album you had is a collaboration between Jay Worthy, Kamaya, and Harry Fraud. And it's called The American Dream, but the E in American is three, in case anyone's trying to look this up. Yeah, I think for SEO purposes, maybe. They got together with Harry Fraud and they all three of them just gave you what their fans love from them. It's like a really smooth album. It's cruising music. Harry Fraud gave them a really serene kind of soulful canvas to just do their thing on. I feel like the content lyrically is in line with classic Bay Area content, whether that's the too short or E-40 from a lyrical and conceptual standpoint. One of my favorite songs on there is Pull Up with Ty Dolla Sign, which is like 
They're just going in over this soulful beat with this smooth bass groove and sense whirling around it. Let the whole twos up, don't ask the bitch. If she come back broke, then that's the sip. If you never knock nothing, don't ask me shit. I really enjoyed that one. And then also good shit with Max B. I'm always like, I'm always going to push the Max B agenda. So I really enjoyed his presence on that track as well. What's up with him being Grimes' stepbrother? That's crazy. You yeah, I had like vaguely heard about I didn't really interrogate it too much because I didn't think sonically that, that would manifest too much in like collaborations or anything. So I didn't really interrogate it. But that's an interesting they actually just, have recorded together back years ago. They made like a Christmas song together. Wow, <laughs> that's just all sounds like a random like generator, like Grimes and Jay Worthy on a Christmas song. <laughs> like, so yeah, he's a distant relation of Elon Musk. It's a weird world. So yeah, Mick Jenkins, The Patience. Yeah, Mick Jenkins, another one of my favorite rappers, just really gifted lyricist, gifted storyteller. My favorite thing about his approach is how he uses wordplay as the canvas for his introspection and his social commentary and the stories he tells on Roy G. Biv. There's a mm. track where he's like venting about like the consequences of systemic oppression, like coming up through the industry, trying to navigate the industry, like fake friends, et cetera. But he's using it, he's using it with or he's exploring it rather with like color references as like the canvas for the wordplay, which I thought was like really creative. There, there'll be an artist who like might explore like colors and, and light and shading references, but that'll be the entire appeal of the song. But he's like telling a story while he's doing that, which is really impressive. And there's also several collaborations on the track on the album, Show and Tell with Freddie Gibbs. You won't have to show me, nigga, can't just tell me shit. Um, Smoke Break with J.I.D., which is like this really like jazzy kind of minimalist beat that allows them to just do their thing lyrically. No feet going up, fees going up, we pulling up, we throwing up gang signs, trees going up and flames find us a forest fire every smoke break. We open and sitting ducks with Benny the Butcher. I feel like Mick did a good job with all of those tracks in terms of meeting every artist in their sonic wheelhouse. We apostrophes, seen on size and all I see isosceles, pyramid schemes and the atrocities they causing ain't no pausing. You listen to the beat, you're like, oh, okay, I can see why he chose them to collaborate on this particular song. And then Lil Papa, Half Man, Half Vamp, it's a, a totally different sound than a lot of other stuff on your list. He's got this melodic flow that reminds you of someone like Polo G or something. It's a whole different thing. Yeah, yeah, Lil Papa, he's from Jacksonville. He, I guess you could say, is in that Polo G, Young Boy lane, where it's like the melodic, introspective rap. And... I think I like this project because he's just so vulnerable on it. Like even from the intro, like Stop Going M.I.A., which is like a very meta approach talking about the difficulties of handle fame, being jaded and the pain he's experiencing, like growing up in the community he grows up in where constant violence and losing people and that just like deterring him from uh, his music career. And he's just being like very upfront with his fans about it. Do you want me to stop going M.I.A.? This is why I do sometimes. Um, and you hear that theme uh, at multiple junctures throughout the album. There's also Let God Choose with No Cap, where he's, if he raps, if it weren't for all this love of me, I wouldn't go on stage, fuck it. No, I tell him, cut the cameras. 
Wallaceville stage or something like why does it why does being in the fishbowl of celebrity feel staged even when it's not I just thought that like really insightful and so as a whole it's like a really introspective album it's like a a fun listen like you say he's a melodic rapper and I just found like an interesting commentary on like the expectations and the unhealthy weight that we sometimes put on artists, especially artists who are literally kids. Mm. Yeah. So you have Rome Streets, Noise Candy 5, and Rome Streets is on Griselda. And like a lot of people on Griselda, he really can rap. He's rapping, rapping <laughs> on this album. Anyone who complains about lack of lyricism and current hip hop, whatever, would find nothing to complain about here. I think this is an album that probably is a little bit cross-generational appeal. Old heads, we might say, might find a lot to like on this album. Oh, yeah, for sure. Rome has been open in the past about his music coalescing or being somewhat of an homage to, like, the classic 90s, like, hip-hop sound of just the dense lyricism. And you have that throughout this album. But he also, like, when I talked to him uh, a couple months ago, he was adamant about also showing people that he's able to do different things sonically. So... There's a lot of that classic, quote-unquote, Griselda sound that people might know him for, but he also told me that he was adamant about trying something different in terms of, like, more trap-driven production or, like, up-tempo sonics on a song like Pocket Full of Beans. So Shake and Bake. Where it's still, like, the top-tier lyricism at its peak, but it's just over a different kind of sonic, a different kind of cadence. And he, and he told me he was trying to just explore different sounds to show the new fans who are, maybe aren't as up on his catalog that he can do a variety of things. He also told me that he's conscious about how that production will play at a live show, like the more up-tempo songs. Be Kool-Aid is actually a, a group. It's the rapper Pink Sifu and the producer Ali. And this is probably the vibiest album on your list. It's just the whole thing's just just a series of pretty chill vibes. Yeah, feels like they were very intent on exploring kind of that maybe neo-soul, R&B kind of vibe of maybe like the turn of the century, but with an updated approach to it, just very like smooth, soulful. The title Leather Boulevard is like a concept. It refers to a fictional boulevard where you can go and be cool and be chill. And like, this must be the soundtrack for Leather Boulevard. Just really cool vibes. Yeah, Pink Seafoods are really like sonically ambitious artists. I've heard so many different approaches from him throughout the years, so many different kinds of um, soundscapes he's explored. I remember I saw him at Afropunk, I think it was last year, and he had two drummers, two sets of drummers, and it was like a real like rock vibe. And then months later, he releases this really smooth, R&B, soulful, jazzy album. And it's just, it exemplifies how talented he is and how boundless he is. And another thing I liked about the album is how like, there are so many songs that I counted five songs that are over five minutes. Like they, mm. they really put a lot of care into the production and the movement and just you'll just have a 30 second space where it's just instrumentation and you could just vibe with it. It's, it's really cool to see in this era where people are trying to game the system with these two minute songs or whatever. But it's also just cool to see some acts try like lengthier 
songs where where like it's more verses, more movement, more intention, a little bit mm. placed into the songs. A couple of my favorite tracks from this one. One of them is Brandy Aaliyah, which also features mm. Denmark Vezzi, Quelle Chris, Jamaita Rose, VCR, Maruf, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, and Camilla. And they all just come together over this really soulful soundscape. And obviously being titled Brandy and Aaliyah, it, it evokes the memories of classic 90s R&B. Another one of my favorites on this project is Fools with um, Big Rube, VCR, Butcher Brown, and um, Ladybug Mecca of Diggable Planet. Above and beyond the so-called norm. Just off the thought of being caught up in the torrents of your womanly storm. Pretty cool to, to see her on there. And it's interesting because there's just like this spoken word the middle of the song by Big Rube. And it, because the album is so smooth, it evoked like the classic R&B monologue. But then it's also just a spoken word juncture on a rap album that could play almost like a verse. It was just like a really interesting, ambiguous moment that speaks to how many different things are at play sonically on the project. And this is probably one of the biggest names on the list, if only for the proximity to uh, this artist's cousin. <laughs> Young Nudie is 21 Savage's cousin. 21 Savage is on this album. That track is the biggest one commercially. And the album is called Gumba. Yeah, this is one of my favorite this is one of the most fun listens of the year for me, just because of Nudie's ear for beats. I think that's like the prevailing aspect of Gumbo for me, just like the suite of production that he put together, like the lush scents and just just the overall soundscape I'm a big fan of. I feel like there's just something to be said about an artist that like knows their lane for like Nudie. That's Nudie. Like there's not him overstretching or overextending or reaching for a song that might not be necessarily what He's best at, he's just talking his East Atlanta shit and it just works over like really dope production. And I feel like there's obviously just a real like intentionality and artistry to the entire curation of the project where whether it's like the cohesiveness of the production down to the song titles all being food, whether that's him just being very cognizant of, like I said, just his what works for him and what his approach is. A couple songs that I like from the project, Peaches and Eggplant, obviously like one of a song with, him with 21, the beginning of which is like one of the biggest memes of the year, one of the biggest, or some of the biggest TikTok of the year, rather. And then there's uh, Portabella, where I think he's doing some of the most interesting things vocally on that particular song. At some points, it feels like his voice is just falling into the beat, the way he inflects or he like varies his inflection. So yeah, that was just a really fun project, really good production, great ear for beats. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Excellent. All right, so the last thing on your list is a duo, and it's called Hair, but it's spelled H31R. And the producer is Jay Words, and the rapper is Messiah. Yeah, Hair is a, a talented Brooklyn-based duo. And I think what I like about Headspace, I want more rappers to try their hand over electronic beats, but not whatever subgenre of electronic you want to fall under. But I just, I came away from this album just really wanted to hear more artists explore like that kind of production. I feel like the approach on Glitch and Time is replicated throughout the project where Masai's rapping over these really dense electronic tense productions with all this movement. 
her cadence is really like steady and chill, which is an interesting, again, juxtaposition for me. Couple of my favorite tracks on the album are that exemplify that are train of thought. Into it, grabbing my rhymes if you wanna get intimate. Turn out always a benefit. Fuck what you heard on the internet. I ain't need dinner yet, but I'm so full of myself. I and Big Bang. Where like just being really introspective and she has this like really poetic spoken word-esque lyrical approach and she's expressing that over j-word's electronic production and then there's also downbeat which is uh, another one of my favorite tracks on the project you like me though many people want to be the villain appears tell me where you really fight me though oh i ain't think so damn but i bet they still want to put this time it features quelle chris who's one of the few features on the album and he like he approaches the beat with this kind of elongated flow which is like bouncing off of the composition in a really cool way so overall I, I really enjoyed the album i think it's one of the most intriguing examples of a rapper exploring electronic sounds without sacrificing their substance or their technical lyricism so i appreciate it for that as well perfect if i asked you like of the mainstream stuff what was your favorite i don't know this year there wasn't a, a lot of great mainstream <laughs> albums. i'll say some other albums that might have made this list but just didn't make the list there's offset set it off quavo rocket power key glock glaucoma rod wave nostalgia yeah rod wave is one of those artists i really got to tap into i want to go to a live show to see what the experience is i see i saw he did a show at the barclays in november and he's one of these artists that you don't necessarily always hear about collaborating with the biggest artist. He just does his own thing in his own lane, but he has like a huge fan base. He always does like really good numbers. So you just, yeah, he just does really good numbers. So I just really, I want to go to a live show this year and just see what the experience is and see what the fans are getting from him. Thanks again to Andre, and here's my conversation with Manka Percante, who made some amazing picks in Afropop, R&B, hip-hop, and more. Let's start with that album by Mr. Easy. It's called Evil Genius. I love this album. So Mr. Easy, like when Afrobeat started to become more mainstream in the U.S., Mr. Easy was really at the forefront of that. He had this really popular song. At this point, it's probably been like maybe a decade or so called Legover. As long as you give me my passion, baby, make you know they rush me. I beg you, make you treat me because... And Skin Tight. Two popular songs. And he actually just released his debut album, though he's had this decade-long career. He considers all his prior projects mixtapes. And so for this album, The Evil Genius, each of the songs have a piece of physical art that he commissioned to go with them. And so he enlisted 13 artists from all over Africa. They represent eight African countries. And I thought it was really well done. It was honestly one of my favorite bodies of work since Burna Boy's African Giant, as far as like in the like Afro beats or Afro pop space, because it is so instrumental. It's so lush. I love a lot of the like upbeat, more laid back stuff on the album. It seems like Easy is really settling into his era of knowing who he is and what he's accomplished. And so one of the songs along those lines features Joe Boy, who is a mentee of his, a younger Afro pop star. 
and it's called Zuzu Lakate. I'm a lady, she they give me company. Wahala no go kill somebody. Hola, let me I know they fight nobody. When I was talking, I talked to Mr. Easy about this album, and so he was inspired. I think he reminded me a lot of Jay Z. Music mogul pivoted into the art world, really developed like a hobby uh, and love around fine art. And so this album really gave me like these vibes. And so he actually told me in an interview that he was a long time ago. He was really moved by Jay-Z's music video for his song Picasso Baby, in which he was doing Jay-Z, his own take on performance art by rapping for six hours in an art gallery. Can you turn it up a little more? I just want a Picasso. Another great song on there is Good Lovin'. She only wants to dance. She says she wants just love and affection. Yeah, so I thought that this song was cool because one of his breakout songs, Skin Tight, features this Ghanaian singer named Effia. And I got to see her this winter in Ghana perform live at this amazing music festival called Afro Future that's happened there over the past few years. And so they reunited Mr. Easy and Effia on this song, Good Lovin', which is actually a more of a reggae song. But I think that there's always been like this deep and important cultural exchange between Africa and the Caribbean. And so I thought that Mr. Easy played with that flavor really well here. So yeah, next up is Adekunle Gold, Tequila Ever After. Adekunle Gold is an incredible singer. He's very emotional, vulnerable, sensual. And he's also an incredible live performer, I think, because he really throws a lot of himself into his shows. And I think you can feel that in his album that came out last year, Tequila Ever After. He went about calling himself Tio Tequila. And so this is like a continuation of that identity. And I think that one of my favorite songs on the album is like really a celebration of all that he's accomplished as well. It was one of my favorite songs last year. Similarly to Easy and all the things that he's also, all the resilience that he's had and getting to the point that he is, he lives with sickle cell and growing up, he grew up in Nigeria for a lot of people that can be a very rough experience. But this song Falling Up is so celebratory and it also features Pharrell and Nile Rodgers. So it's a really cool collaboration across the diaspora across different generations of music. Like all three of them represent such different generations in Black music. Another great song on there is Look What You Made Me Do, not to be confused with the Taylor Swift song, for sure. This song is really cute to me because it's a duet with his wife, Simi, who is also a, a popular Nigerian singer. And so this song just gives me butterflies and makes me feel really happy. Yeah, we've talked about DeVito before. He's a great artist. The album is called Timeless. Yeah, this album was actually due a lot sooner than when it actually was released last year. DeVito and I had talked at Something in the Water, Pharrell's Music Festival in D.C. in 2022, and he was looking forward to releasing his album very soon after that. Unfortunately, that fall, he lost one of his children. His Mm. toddler son drowned in an accident in their family pool. And so there was a bit more of a delay with the music. But then what ended up happening is he scrapped the album that he had before and completely re-recorded it. So even the single that was released before Stand Strong, which is also a testament to a lot of other losses he suffered in his life, his mother, his friends, that was not included on Timeless. 
A lot of the music on Timeless is actually really celebratory, very vibrant, very joyful. So much so that some people were like, why isn't this a sad album? Why isn't there grief on this album? But I actually thought it was a really radical approach to life after tragedy. And it's a brilliant album from top to bottom. There's a lot of influence on Ama Piano, even though Davido is really an Afrobeats artist. There's some collaboration with some South African artists as well who are closer to that scene. Though Unavailable is the big hit from this album. I'm it's nominated for the first ever Grammy for African Music Performance this year. It is like a Afrobeat slash Ama Piano song. Had a viral dance and like movement alongside it this our last year. But I think the better song and another really popular song on the album is called Eel. I guess feel is just, it's a bit, like it's not, it doesn't feel as heavy or as intense as Unavailable. I think that the air of levity around it while still playing into like club culture, party music is something that I really like. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. And this one's a whole different thing. John Wells, The Apprehension of John Wells. Yeah, so that is a rap album from a white American rapper named John Wells. He's from the Baltimore area, which, and he reps it super hard. And this was a, an artist that I found last year, just like on Twitter. He had a Colors-esque performance video of him doing this song of his that's on this album called I Spot a Rat. And I did and our Johnny's an evil genius. When it's money come, I blame y'all. Don't get it the same as y'all, but still I'm thinking of it with the same regards. I swear to God. It took me a second to figure out if I liked it or not. Because mm-hmm. I love how soulful the production was. I liked how conversational and intricate his rapping was. But I wasn't 100% sold. And I also think that because white rap can be such like a novelty in the hip hop space and get like undue or over attention sometimes, I really was like, I took a second to be like, do I actually like this? <laughs> or is it just interesting that a white man is doing this? And I actually got to know John. I listened to a lot more of his music. And the whole album deals with John processing and living through the death of his father, who succumbed to illnesses after a lifetime of addiction. And so one of the most impressive songs is called No Drugs in Heaven. And for like almost seven minutes, he's just rapping his dad's life story as if he was his father. Wow. They was both from Jefferson Street, about a block away from the hospital. The Al Capone died. And when my daddy was about to be two, his mama was an immigrant to die. And oh man, Jordan Ward Ford really liked this one. 
Yeah. Jordan Ward, I think, is a star. I think that he's so charismatic. He's so funny. And for him to channel that into R&B, I think is so interesting. I also think it's interesting that his R&B is not, it's not love songs. There are a lot of artists who dabble with other themes, but R&B, I think, is known for being a genre seated in matters of the heart. He has a song called Fam Jam, which is one of my favorites. So I just think every song on this album is super special, super unique. I can't really point to an artist who is doing it like Jordan Ward right now. Yeah, Fam Jam has, it's what I would call a roller skating jam. It has that, that <laughs> kind of like super throwback, really good song. Um, yeah, super good. Oh, and then the song Think Twice. He's talking about like feeling insecure, feeling unsafe, feeling vulnerable as like a young man and a young black man in particular. Oh, and so Naomi Sharon, really interesting because she sounds a lot like Sade. <laughs> the album, yeah. and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. The world could use more stuff along those lines. And the album is Obsidian. And it's not, it's not a ripoff of Sade, but it's, I would say, thoroughly in that vibe. Yeah, I think her song on, she released an album last year called Obsidian, right? And there's a song on it called Definition of Love. And if you like shuffled it with Sade and put it on for someone who didn't really know who Sade was, I'm sure they would think it was by the same artist. Definition of love. I will rest. Do you know for sure? That you <laughs> and it's, I think as someone who did not grow up in like a Sade household, I really like her approach because it like gives a modern spin, even though Sade's music in and of itself is like timeless, but it really gives a modern spin. I also think in particular because Sade, as we know, is Nigerian and British, but Naomi Sharon really leans into a lot of Afro production throughout this album, Obsidian. There's even a really great song called Push with Omale, who is like an Afrobeat star. He makes far more uh, melancholy music than I think what is like the norm in that space. But I think that when they worked together on this song, Push, it really gave the album's Afro indebtedness, a sense of authenticity and connection that I think it needed. Naomi Sharon herself is reportedly Dutch and Caribbean, although in most of the interviews or profiles I've seen of her, they don't say where in the Caribbean her origins are. But I think it's cool. I think that the sound is really cool. It's unique. She's also the first woman signed to Drake's OVO label. And I think that it's interesting that they're not leaning on the Drake co-sign so much in pushing her music. I think that some people are a little bit... I saw a tweet, actually, where someone was like, all these people are trying to be Sade when we already have Sade. And so I don't know if everybody feels that way. But again, as someone with a little more distance from her music, I definitely don't mind either. They're like, we have Sade at home. <laughs> yeah, we have Sade at home is crazy. But that's so funny. You get this a lot in other genres. There's infamously, there's a band called Greta Van Fleet that is just a, seems to be like a Xerox of Led Zeppelin and drives people crazy. But this is, I think, like you said, much more elegant than that. She's clearly a huge fan. She's even covered Sade. It's not like a secret. She's not hiding the influence, but it is modernized. And it's just, Sade had one of the greatest and most unique feels to her music ever. It's great that someone's picking up on that. I have absolutely zero problem with it. And the fact is the songs are good. If the songs weren't good and unique, then it might be a problem. But. Yeah, I think that like a song that gives her a little bit more of like her own 
identity to me is this a uh, really beautiful stripped more traditional indie r&b song on her album called regardless and that to me didn't necessarily just feel like i was listening to someone who sounded like sade it felt like i was listening to naomi sharon this album is pretty incredible actually leon thomas electric dusk Really musical and interesting album. Yeah, and I think it's it's so cool, especially as someone who was a kid in like the 90s and early 2000s to see these people. Like we had our era of Disney Channel pop stars like Miley Cyrus, Selena Gomez, yeah. etc., who are now like superstars. And I think that the generation right below me is getting that in people like Leon Thomas. I think maybe Ariana Grande, who is a close friend and collaborator to Leon Thomas, is like a bridge. But Leon Thomas got his start as an actor on the Nickelodeon show Victorious, which was about a bunch of musical kids at a really cool musical school. And he is just incredible. He most recently got a lot of acclaim for his production contributions to Snooze by SZA, co-writing that song, working on that song with her. He has a really amazing cover of him singing Snooze on his guitar. Which brings me to Electric Dusk, which is very guitar-driven because he's an incredible player. And I think he bridges the world of like drama and music here on this album because of Dusk is actually the name of a movie theater, like a storied old drive in L.A. And so he takes a very cinematic approach to this album. One of my favorite songs on it is called Blue Hundreds. And it's like a rock song. I could almost feel it in like a Tarantino movie, even though Leon definitely leans into the soul and like R&B lanes a lot more often. But I think this song kind of bridges the relationship between like rock and R&B really well. Prince would like this album for sure. Oh, wow. I'm sure Leon would love to hear you say that. I hope he gets to hear this. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible, like just from top to finish. And it's, I also like how unexpected one of the collaborations was. Like there's a Benny the Butcher feature right. on this song, X-Rated. And it's like Benny, not only is it Benny the Butcher on this album, but it's also like the things that Benny is saying, like he's looking at both sides of how dating can be really transactional. And I just think, especially with so much of the album is about Leon's trials and tribulations, finding love in Hollywood. I just thought it was like such a great unexpected touch. You also wanted to talk about some songs. Yeah, I think especially because I listen to so much African music in particular. And I think there's even just the way that music is going these days. You're more likely to get a really incredible song from an artist than a, an album, right? I think that there's so much emphasis on producing and putting things out and staying in the conversation. And it's much easier to do that with songs than albums. Yeah, you're not wrong. There's actually two. Is it Odile and Brazy made be easy? Yeah, I mean, I think the cool thing about that song is so Odile is a UK singer, leads into R&B, spent some time growing up in Nigeria until as recently as 2017-ish. Brazy is a Nigerian rapper and she can also perform in a ton of other languages. Like she knows French and in some other languages as well. And so Odile's song, Be Easy, samples Brazy's song, Tong. Yeah. 
which we have on Rolling Stone's list of the greatest Afropop songs of the year of 2023. Brazy and Aton is on there. And he loved the song so much that even though it's like a relatively new song, he sampled it and then credited her for the sample. So that hook is from her song. That's really interesting. I think that it's a similar thing that sort of Naomi Sharon has done and that a lot of artists are doing is like marrying Afro percussion, the drum patterns, the polyrhythmic drumming with different types of music. And so I think that it gives me almost like Frank Ocean-y R&B with an Afro through line. If we had to pinpoint the sort of micro genre that the beat itself belongs to. Man, I don't know. I really don't know. Like it's not really Afro beats in I think the traditional sense. But even that is such an umbrella that like there are only so many definitive characteristics of it. A lot of times people are just like labeling pop music from West Africa as Afrobeats. So I think this really feels more like a hybrid of like R&B dance and Afropop. I, I couldn't quite nail down exactly what to call it. Yeah. And I think that's true for a lot of people all over yeah. the world, right? Like people are moving away from making music that like nicely fits into one genre. This one really stood out to me. The rapping on it is insane and the artist is sabi woo right yeah sabi woo is a kenyan rapper and this song mina wewe bridges nairobi hip-hop and also very much like jersey philly baltimore club rap which has had such a moment in the u.s over the past couple of years i think that like culminating in uzi's just want to rock for example, like things in like that vein. It also reminds me too of some of the more up-tempo like drill rap that has pulled from yeah. that type of uh, production as well. And so this next song is also one that I heard for the first time through one of our contributors to our Afropop list, Mazaza Mia who always brings us amazing insights and reporting and perspective from South Africa. And so this is a song called Kavalungo, and it is crazy. Like the drums in it are crazy. The chorus in it is there's like almost a choir type singing happening. And so it's by an artist named Tebza the DJ. And so he is taking vocals and a melody from a traditional South African song, but he's making it into this ama piano hit. And it doesn't sound a lot like other ama piano that I've heard. And ama piano can sound a million different ways. It can be darker and more techno feeling. It can be jazzy. It can be spiritual sounding. It can be like really club oriented. It can be romantic. There are a lot of different approaches to ama piano, but this, I think with the traditional edge to it, if it really like hit me in my chest. And so he uses a sample to make the song, but there was a copyright dispute and so it wasn't on streaming platforms for a while. So he ended up re-recording and re-releasing it. And it still had the nostalgia to it. And it still had this traditional bend to it. And it's just one of any genre, one of the best songs that I heard last year. Yeah, for sure. And then the next one comes from a bit of a different place. It's Daddy by Sexy Red and Tokisha. Yeah, this song is great. And I love, I would have never thought that they would make a song together. But once you hear it, it's, oh, duh. Our senior editor, Julissa Lopez, wrote a really great profile of 
Tokisha in 2022, called her Latin music's leading provocateur. Tokisha is very sexual. She was a sex worker at some point. She is very flagrant and out there with who she is. And that's just that attitude of sexual empowerment, of not giving a fuck is like totally aligns with Sexy Red. And so this song is rap, dembo, house, voguing song all together. <laughs> and the music video is hilarious. Tokisha plays a guy, essentially Sexy Red's trick. And they just have an amazing chemistry. And I really would love to see like more like crossover between uh, uh, Latin artists and like rap, like American rappers or rappers who primarily rap in English. Like, I think that would just be so cool based on hearing this, particularly amongst like the women. Yeah. And the next one, an amazing song is called Find the Bag. I'm really glad you liked it. I came across this song because the rapper that's featured on it, Baby.com, is close to someone that I know. And I'd never really heard her music. And this is not her prim- primarily her song. This is a Parisian producer who perhaps they pronounce their name NXS or NXS. It's spelled with five X's in the middle. And so I was reading up on them and they're a, they were, according to Pitchfork, like a pioneer in a SoundCloud scene called Funk, P-H-O-N-K, in the early 2010s. And I think it's characterized by like dreamy, spacey production, but it also has Memphis and Texas rap influences under it. And so Baby is just rapping so cool, but so hard at the same time. It's like very like playful, hyper feminine, a lot of shit talking. So some other songs that I really loved last year, one is called Girl Next Door, and it's by two artists who really had amazing years, although I don't know that this song got as much shine as like their individual work. One is Tyla, who is also nominated for the inaugural African Music Performance Grammy for her song Water, which everyone knows and loves. But she worked with a really close friend of hers who is Ira Starr, who I've talked about probably on this podcast before and have written a lot about for Rolling Stone. She, Tyla is a South African singer. Ira Star is a Nigerian singer. She signed to this very storied Nigerian label called Maven that brought us to a savage and Rema is her label mate as well there. And I think their style, like Gen Z, like it girl really complements their style, complements each other. And I think that this collaboration between the two of them is really sweet and shows off both of their capacities and like what they're both really great at. You didn't talk about uh, Terminator if you wanted to talk about that. Yeah. Okay. So Terminator is a great song by a Ghanaian singer named King Promise. The remix of it features a Nigerian producer performer named Young John. And when I spent time in West Africa this winter, it was everywhere king promise even has his Mm. own festival in his native nigeria called promise land but i think that this is the biggest king promise song that i've known up to date even though he's been making music for quite a few years it's really inspirational it's uplifting it's airy it's bright it's sunny it was such a good soundtrack to that time of year there which which like the festive season a lot of folks from around the diaspora travel home or to visit west africa in december and so it was just really beautiful to hear this song everywhere. I know you also really like an EP by WizKid. It's called S2. 
Yeah, I think that WizKid has really leaned into in this like latter era in his over 10 year long career into making music that really melds into itself really well. So Made in Lagos, which was I think his big crossover breakthrough in the U.S., has like almost like a playlist feel to it, as we've been seeing lately, like Renaissance, right? Like that type of start to finish, top to bottom. Every song works well with the next. And so his album, More Life or More Love, Less Ego, which was his last album in 22, I don't think it had quite the movement behind it as Made in Lagos did. And I think that even though it still had amazing, high quality music on it, I feel like the same thing has happened with S2, which is an EP that WizKid released right at the end of last year. So I think S2 is a reference to WizKid's Soundman EP, which he put out many years ago under the name Starboy, which is also like the label and like business dealings that he does. But it's great. It's really lush instrumental production. I think it's WizKid doing what WizKid is best at, being coolly inspirational uplifting, cooler than you, but not necessarily just like rubbing it in your face for bragging sake. It features an OG in the Afro beats and the Afro R&B space, Wande Cole, as well as a newer artist, Latan. And I really enjoyed riding around to it before I got on my flight to Ghana last year. And that's our show. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, subscribe to Rolling Stone Music Now wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave us five stars and a nice review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify because that's always appreciated. But as always, thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.